a great letter, and I want to end our time reviewing and focusing on the main themes of the letter and asking ourselves an important question. How will we spend our freedom? Paul writes this letter to defend his apostleship against the accusations of rival teachers who have come into Galatia and are leading the church away from the one true gospel of Jesus Christ. They're teaching that, sure, it's good to believe in Jesus, but that's not enough. That's what they're saying in Galatia. If you want to be a part of God's family, if you want to be part of Abraham's family, then you must be circumcised. And so Paul writes this letter to confront these rival teachers, and he confronts them with the truth of the gospel, the gospel that they had believed in. And that's where I want us to focus today. To Paul, this gospel of Jesus does something. It's powerful and effective. He writes to the Romans in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's certainly displayed in this letter to the Galatians. Now, because we are going to be doing an overview today, we don't have a single reading that we uh, stand and, and read we're going to be looking at the main points of Paul's letter and his emphasis on what the gospel is and what the gospel does, and then ask, so what? What will we do with that? How will we live in light of what Paul lays out here in Galatians? And surely he's asking that of the Galatians, and so uh, although the purpose of the letter is to the Galatians, he didn't write this to us, we can still ask as we come away from it, what are we going to do with the truth of this? So let me pray and then we'll work through this together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace and thank you for your word. It's through your word that we come to know you, Lord. By the power of your spirit working in us to awaken us to the truth of it, Lord. So help us now. Help us to not just know what it says, but to love it. To embrace it. Pray for your help in that. In Christ's name, amen. So to start, let's look at what the gospel is as Paul lays it out in the book of Galatians. The gospel is the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And Paul gives us a clear picture of this grace. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, he writes, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father. The truth of the gospel is this, you and I and all of humanity could not obey the law that had been given to us. We fall short again and again and again and again, not just falling short of what uh, Mother Teresa or someone else that we uh, respect or look up to spiritually or uh, the way that they live a noble and spiritual life, but ultimately we fall short of God's glory. That's what Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
And what that means is this, we can't be good enough to get ourselves to heaven. We have this sin issue. But the good news of the gospel is that God knew that, saw that, and did not leave us to die without hope. He sent His Son, Jesus. Jesus gave Himself, as Paul writes in Galatians 1, for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. So the good news is that Jesus gave Himself for our sins. Because we couldn't do enough ourselves. Now here's my challenge to you and to myself today as I, as I talk about this and as we hear this together. We're, we're so often used to hearing the gospel as Christians. And too often we think, well, that message is for uh, someone who doesn't yet know Jesus. And maybe someone has come today and doesn't yet know Jesus, so I really hope they hear this message of the gospel. And I want to remind us, I need the message of the gospel today just as much as I needed the message of the gospel the day the Lord awakened me to it being true and I gave myself to Him to follow Him. We are desperate to remember the gospel so that we don't become like the Galatians. Galatians 2.16, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. The good news of the gospel is also that because we can't do enough to get ourselves saved, all we must do now because Jesus gave himself is to believe and trust in him. Justification. We know that a person is not justified by works, but through faith, believing, trusting in Jesus Christ. Rightness with God comes through believing in Jesus. Paul reminds the Galatians in chapter 3, verse 6, that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. In, in chapter 3, verse 22, that the promise of faith in Jesus Christ would be given to those who believe. And in chapter 3, verse 8, that the Scriptures foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Now, there are more implications to this, more of what this faith brings to all who trust in Christ alone for salvation. Paul says in, in Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Now, think of that. Think of how great and freeing this truth is. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. The law said, we must die. All of us. Because you either obey 
or you die apart from God. But God is gracious. And in his story of salvation, the story of the gospel, he sends Jesus who redeems us from the curse of the law. It's, it's God saying to us, you don't have to die anymore because Jesus died for you. Now how? Because he became a curse for us. He took our place, was cursed on our behalf. He lived in accordance with God's law on our behalf and then he suffered the penalty or curse of the law that we deserved in our place. And in that, he purchased us out of that slavery to the law. He redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Paul makes it clear here that it took place through the cross of Christ. Galatians 4, 4 through 7, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you're sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. The gospel is the good news that God didn't forget about us, but sent His Son literally to this earth, fully God and fully human, to redeem us and to make us His heirs. Now, here's the thing. What does Paul say at the beginning of this letter, in the introduction to this letter? In Galatians 1.7, it says, not that there is another one, another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Paul's saying, this is it. This is the only gospel. There is one true gospel of Jesus. Anything else that you are taught is a lie. In fact, Paul says, even if an angel comes and preaches to you a gospel or a message that is different from the gospel that we proclaim to you, they're lying to you. It's a lie. There's one true gospel, and it is glorious. It is wonderful. The message that God sent His Son into this world to save us, that is wonderful news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul cannot believe that the Galatians who have previously shown evidence of their belief in the gospel are now walking in a different way, being enticed by these rival teachers. And that brings us to the second point or second question, what does the gospel do? Now, as we get to what the gospel does, I want, I want us to remember Galatians 1, 15 through 2, verse 9. I'm not going to read all of that. We covered that. But it's there that Paul explains what he did after his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. After he was called by Jesus to follow him. 
And he says in those verses that he didn't go right away to Jerusalem. He didn't encounter Jesus on the road to Damascus and and then immediately run to Jerusalem preaching the gospel there with the apostles. But he got away with the Lord. And it seems to indicate that he got away with the Lord for a very extended time. We as humans, as Christians, gravitate toward doing instead of being, just like these Galatians have done. You can imagine Paul had a lot of law commitment bound up inside of his head, bound up inside of his heart that he needed to work out, that he needed to work through. He was devoted to the law. He was devoted to keeping the law. And what we learn here from Paul in Galatians is he did that. He worked it out according to the gospel of Jesus. He worked through that and was able to teach a gospel that is clear and true and not dependent on the law. And so as we get into this, I I want us to acknowledge that we have similar tendencies to these Galatians. We gravitate toward doing instead of being. We gravitate toward law instead of grace. Just give me a to-do list and I'm good. If there was, you know, a book of the Bible that was, you know, tucked in at the very end of the Bible and it's like to-do and it's those nice check marks, right? We could just go through on a daily basis. I think all of us would say, okay, (laughs) that's my favorite book of the Bible now. Because we gravitate towards that. We gravitate towards, Lord, what do I need to do to impress you? What do I need to do to get to heaven? But that's not the gospel. And Paul is calling these Galatians to rest in God's grace. And so today, rest in God's grace as we remember what Galatians tells us about what the gospel does. What the gospel does. What does Paul say that the gospel does? Well, first, it frees us. The gospel of Jesus Christ frees us. Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Really, this is Paul's message throughout the whole book. Christ has set us free, Galatians. Why would you wander off following these myths, following these lies, when Christ has set us free? Galatians 1.4, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. He delivered us. He freed us, set us free from the present evil age. We are free in Christ. Galatians 2.4, yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. The gospel 
frees us from slavery to the law. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are freed from the world, crucified with Christ. In fact, he says in, in Galatians 6.4 that he's been crucified to the world and the world crucified to him. We are free in Christ from the desires of longings, ploys, entanglements, and ways of the world. We're freed. I mentioned this verse already, but we are free, as Galatians 2.20 says, from the curse of the law. We are free from the curse of the law. And this freedom that is ours through Christ is true freedom. We are really free. Paul tells the Romans, should I continue in sin so that grace may abound? And why does he say that? Because God's grace is really, really, really gracious. He really frees us. And here's why we are really, really free. So free that Paul has to warn Galatians 3.8, in the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed, because we are justified through Christ. We're really, really, really free because we are justified. Simply by believing, we are justified. Imagine that. Now imagine a story like this justified, made right with God because of faith. So there's true freedom in that. It's not contingent on you. It's not contingent on me. It was contingent on Jesus. And he did everything needed for you to be justified. It is a done deal, accomplished Galatians 3, 6, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. You're righteous. You are right with God. You're not waiting for that. I'm not waiting for that. This is our new identity. Freedom is really freedom because the work has already been done. It's paid in full. You are justified. You are righteous in Christ. So Paul says to the Romans, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are really, really free, Paul says. So the first thing that the gospel does is it frees us. Second, the gospel aligns our heart with God's heart. It aligns our heart with Christ's heart. The Pharisees were not known for remembering the poor. And yet, look what, what happens to Paul after Christ changes his life through the gospel. Galatians 2.10, only they asked me or asked us to remember the poor. The very thing I was eager to do. 
The gospel aligns my heart with God's heart. So the things that God values, we begin to value. So ask yourself, do I value the things that God values? And be, be careful here. Don't, don't ask yourself, do I value a thing that God values? But the things that God values. A good way to, to, to find that out is to look at Jesus. Look at the life of Jesus. The writer of the Hebrews says he's the very imprint of the nature of the Father. The exact imprint. So look at Jesus. What does he do? How does he interact with other people? Who does he love? How does he love them? Galatians 5, 13 through 15, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. See, the gospel aligns our heart with God's heart and affects what we do. This is about how I live and the things that I do in light of God's grace and the freedom I have in Christ. Not to get God's grace, but because of His grace. God's heart is for people in the life of the believer, that, that looks like loving our neighbor as ourself. It looks like not biting and devouring, Paul says, but genuine love and service of others. We don't walk to the other side of the street when we see someone hurting, even if we disagree with their lifestyle or where they come from or whatever you would fill in there. Saw that as we discussed the Good Samaritan and Jesus' teaching on what it really means to walk out the truth of the gospel in love, to love our neighbor as ourself. And the truth is, this is a very, very hard thing. Every single one of us here has a category, a category of people that you don't love or that you have a hard time loving that you don't demonstrate love toward. I know that's true for me. And we need the Lord's help in this. But the gospel frees us for such a wonderful life. What a wonderful life to be shaped by the gospel in such a way that I love my neighbor. Whatever category that neighbor comes in, however they're packaged, that I love them as much as I love myself. What a wonderful life. And it frees us to live a new identity. Galatians 5, 22 through 
24, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What does the new identity look like? What does freedom in Christ look like? It looks like the fruit of the Spirit. I was reading something this past week where um, a man was, was sharing about his father and how in his whole life he could recount one time that he saw his father get angry. His father was an example of gentleness to him. I so desire to be remembered that way. I so want that, to be remembered as patient, as kind, as loving, as joyful. The world can steal those things from us. And honestly, for some, the church can steal those things. But that's when we're not living according to the gospel. That's when we're not living, walking in freedom. God has freed you. God has freed me. And the new identity that, free, that, that freedom gives is fruitful. Not only that, that freedom keeps us going. The gospel does something in us and to us and moves us on and on in Christ. Galatians 6, 9 through 10. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. Keep going. Keep doing good because you're free. Another thing that the gospel does for us that we see in Galatians is it makes us family. Maybe this should have been before the last point. I couldn't decide. But throughout the letter, Paul makes this clear. The gospel makes us family. Galatians 3, 7, know then that it's those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Galatians 3, 27 and, 20 through, and 28, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. We are family. Because of the one true gospel of Jesus. And that's important. We cannot do Galatians alone. We dare not. We dare not approach a letter like this and, and, and think, 
I'm going to do this. That's not the point. We're a family here. We do this together. We display these things together. We strive together. We can't do cornerstone alone. We can't do life alone. We need each other. We need others loving their neighbor and us as themselves. We need others fleshing out the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We need encouragement to keep going. We need brothers and sisters building us up in Christ and walking with us, speaking into our lives the truth of the one true gospel. And we need to be those things to others. The gospel makes us family. The last thing I'm going to include as we prepare to close, the gospel reveals to us the grace of God. Grace upon grace upon grace. Galatians 6.18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. This is a reflection of God's grace. That verse is a reflection of God's grace. That heart that Paul has to write that at the end of this letter is a reflection of God's grace. Because Paul writes that to those who have walked away from him. Those who have accused him. Those who have doubted him. He writes, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Paul says to the Ephesians that God has lavished us with grace. You walk in freedom and grace. So how will you spend that freedom? Will you and will I spend the freedom we have in Christ on ourselves or on others? Our example is Jesus. Right? Our example is Jesus. We look to Jesus to know how to walk in freedom. That's what we remind ourselves of every single week. That Christ welcomed us all. And laid down his life for all. His body broken for us. His blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. He was free to do whatever he wanted. He's God in the flesh. But he laid down his life for others. And his call to us is follow me. As we move into a time where we take the Lord's Supper, let's ask the Lord to help us to follow Him. To help us to walk in freedom. To have our hearts aligned to His heart. To love others the way He does and as He called us to love. Let's ask Him to help us reflect His grace and love that was fully revealed on the cross of Christ. I would, I would say to you, if you're here today and you don't know Christ, you don't have a relationship with Christ, 
my encouragement to you is that people are going to be dismissed row by row to come and get the bread and the cup and to take it back to their seats and we'll take it all together after we sing. But if you don't know Christ yet, my encouragement to you today is rather than partaking in the bread and the cup, which are symbols, they're, they're elements that, that Christ called us to partake of to remind ourselves of what he did for us. They're, they're symbols. And they do nothing magical in us. They don't save us. They simply remind us of who saved us. And so my encouragement to you today is partake of Jesus. Don't, don't just partake of the symbols. In fact, my encouragement would be just let, let this time pass. Just stay in your seat and we're going to be singing a song about the crucifixion of Jesus and, and what was accomplished through the cross of Christ. And so today, my encouragement is partake of Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Surrender your life to Jesus today. But for those of you who know him and love him and desire to walk in this freedom, let's, let's get the bread and the cup and let's give ourselves and our hearts to the Lord asking for his help in walking in freedom. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. You are so good to us. You're far better than I could ever describe, Lord. Far better than any sermon could ever explain. Far more gracious, far more loving, far more kind. And your word says that you show your love for us and that while we were still sinners at our very worst, not interested in you, not loving you, not trying to please you, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You have proven your love for us, Lord. And we confess we walk away from it over and over and over. And we don't walk in true freedom that you have purchased for us, Lord. But we want to. We want to live a life of love towards others. We want to love you with all of our heart, soul, and mind and strength. And we want to love our neighbor as much as ourselves. So please help us. And help us now even as we focus on the reason for that and the ability for that, Lord, that Christ, your body was broken and your blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. We pray that you'd help us. In Christ's name, amen.